good to be here to celebrate Mother's Day. And I kept thinking about the meaning of Mother's Day, what, what, that, what that is, what it means to each one of us. Ryan, you said it. We, <laughs> we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a mother. And uh, that, that part of it is, it touches every single one of us in, in one way or another. And probably one of the most universally sacred things around the world is to honor mothers. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about the stereotype of gang member, one gang member, or uh, you know, even kids in the elementary schoolyard. If they want to really attack somebody, they they say something mean about their mom. You know, like <laughs> I haven't been in a gang situation, but I have been on the elementary schoolyard, and I remember those things. Um, I realize that there are cultures around the world that that it doesn't mean the exact same thing, it's different around the world, but honoring mothers is a much more popular view. I have a list of uh, brilliant answers on mothers given by second grade school children to the following questions. Why did God make mothers? She's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Probably anything else in the house. Mostly to clean the house. <laughs> to help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> That's <so> great. <laughs> How did God make mothers? He used dirt, just like for the rest of us. Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. God made my mom just the same like he made me. He just used bigger parts. <laughs> what ingredients are mothers made of? This is probably my favorite of the whole list, all right? God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> mothers definitely need that one dab of mean every so often. They had to get their start from men's bones then they mostly use string, I think. <laughs> what kind of little girl was your mom? My mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. <laughs> These are second grade students. I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess is she would have been pretty bossy. <laughs> they say she used to be nice. Hey, watch it. Okay, uh, what's the difference between moms and dads? Moms work at work and work at home, and dads just go to work at work. <laughs> That's truly a kid's perspective right there. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. Dads, you know, <laughs> you, you might have been there. Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power, because that's who you gotta ask if you wanna sleep over at your friend's house. Moms have magic. They make you feel better without medicine. And then grandmothers, as described by an eight-year-old. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own, so she likes other people's children. <laughs> a grandfather is a man-grandmother. 
he goes on walks with the boys and they talk about fishing, tractors, baseball, and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except to be there. They are old, so they shouldn't play hard or run. It is enough if they drive us to the shops where the pretend horse is and they have lots of quarters ready. They're often, they're often fat, but not too fat to tie kids' shoes. <laughs> Sorry, these are so funny. They wear funny glasses and funny underwear and they can take their teeth and gums off. Everyone should try to have one because grandmothers are the only grown-ups who have got time. That'll touch your heart. Yeah, so maybe that's a, an encouragement to each one of us. Take time for the children uh, and be, be the uh, voice in their heart, in their life, but also be the listening ear. The term mother takes on a different meaning altogether, though, for adopted children. They don't dishonor the woman who gave them birth, but their true mother is the one who nurtured them and took care of them. Melissa and I have experienced this firsthand, and it has been such a wonderful experience to be the mother and father of children who were both born to us and who were adopted into our family. I can tell you without reservation that there's no difference in our hearts from one of our children to the next. It is a real privilege. When we first considered adoption, the Lord spoke very clearly to us and said, this is the same as when we were adopted into his family. If you've been born, born again, you have been grafted into the root of the family of God, just as our children have been grafted fully into our family. If there's one birth that we think of more than any other, it would be the birth of Jesus. What did his mother experience? There isn't any woman in all of history that has been talked about more than her. And even she's been revered and honored, she's been dishonored, she's been misunderstood. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was she? Have you ever thought about that deeply? She was talked about in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 7:14, and I apologize, I had um, thought I sent the scriptures properly, but apparently I didn't get them through. So Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." Think about that. If you want to talk about a birth miracle, how about a virgin birth miracle? This is something that, you know, I may not be able to explain this completely, but we can say that this makes a lot more sense when we apply this miracle to the born-again experience. I want to talk about this today, and specifically what happens when we are born again. There's something very deep and very specific and very powerful that happens when we become born again. I'd like to give an invitation at the end. So I want to think about this. I want you to be open to hearing God specifically give you understanding about what it means to be born again. Look how Jesus describes this in John 3, verses 3 through 8. John 3. 
Jesus answered and said to him, and, and he's talking to Nicodemus here, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus just said a big mouthful right here, okay? He's, he describes something that I want to dig deeper into. What truly happens when a person is born again? Now, you understand what Jesus is saying here. We've, we've heard him, we, we've read this before. Okay, you must be born again. We've, we've accepted the idea. We've accepted the concept of being born again. Obviously, if we have been, it, it touched us somewhere. But Jesus said it so matter-of-fact that we can sometimes take it for granted. It gets talked about enough, especially in our circles, that I think we can take it for granted of what really, really happens. We can all agree that natural birth is a miracle in and of itself. There's a million and one things that can go wrong to stop that from happening. In fact, my wife and I, we lost our first child to miscarriage and something happened. Something happened that stopped that birth. So if you've ever been in a situation and, and you know, Tanya, you talked about infertility. There's, there's all sorts of situations that women have found themselves in, men and women, uh, that they've not been able to, uh, I guess, make it happen. There, there's something very, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. You're, there's a new life that's created. You were that miracle at some point. You were that miracle where a new life was created. And now you sit here. You've been here for years now, in, on, on the earth, living and growing and breathing and creating. It's a miracle. If we look at the first man and the first woman, uh, Genesis 2.21 uh, 2, through 24. I'm going to read about them because this is a different situation. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I know it's obvious now, but Adam and Eve are the only people who ever existed who never had a mother. Every birth since then, since Adam and Eve, has been a continuation of the miracle that is discussed, is talked about in Genesis 2.24. Okay? We're going to come back to this, but I want you to remember that verse. It's quoted in other parts of Scripture. We've all heard sermons in church, or we've heard people speak at marriage seminars, 
about a husband and wife being one flesh and being together in that way. You are now one flesh. You've been, you've gotten married, you've become one flesh. And I'm not saying that those messages are wrong. In fact, Jesus reinforced this in Matthew 19, 6 and in Mark 10, verses 8 and 9, where he actually quotes Genesis 2, 24. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And this verse is quoted in probably more, more weddings than not, because this is the words of Jesus, and he's talking about two becoming one flesh. So this does not cancel that out at all. There's just more to it. There's more to it than we've been able, than we've, we've really gotten to, and it has uh, hampered our understanding of being born again. So for what reason? Jesus said, for this reason, and, and in Genesis, therefore. So for this reason, why did God make them male and female? It was to leave their father and mother, to be joined to each other, and to become one flesh. So what is the one flesh that's being talked about? Is it simply to be united with your spouse? Is that the only understanding of what it means to be one flesh? I've been digging into this for a while, and it is more exciting the more I dig into it. Why the focus on being male and female? I want to show you something that has transformed how I see myself and how I see everyone else who has been born again. Adam and Eve were one flesh in the sense that Eve was taken directly from the body of Adam and a, and a new body was formed from his rib. So she, yes, <laughs> was directly from his body. But there is another one flesh that Paul talks about. In Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Young's Literal because I want you to hear the literal translation of this. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall be the two for one flesh. They shall be the two for one flesh, for this cause, for this purpose. This secret is great, and I speak in regard to Christ and to the assembly. So Paul is then linking this one flesh in with Christ and the assembly. I was meditating on the birth of Jesus one time, and the thought hit me square in the heart. What actually happened in the womb of Mary when Jesus was conceived? This is, this is really deep stuff, and it's exciting. This is what informs us so that when we get into tough situations, we know who we are. This is a message on identity, okay? What happened in the womb of Mary when Jesus was conceived? I know that we tend to shy away from discussing reproduction with men and women, especially in church, but that's just what the devil wants us to do. He has so corrupted the concept that 
we are now uncomfortable with talking about it. And we're uncomfortable talking about this wonderful miracle that happens over and over and over and over every day. It is a miracle. It's amazing. This is also why Satan is so consumed with pushing abortions and with killing children in the womb. He's trying to stop the miracle and he's trying to corrupt it and make it so that it's, so that it's dark instead of the amazing light that it is. We should be so familiar with this miracle that it becomes the very core of our identity and of who we are in the family of God. The children that you see around you, of course, they went to children's church, but the children that were in here, and there's, you know, some that are still here, they are little one flesh examples of a husband and wife becoming one. See, my wife and I, we became one flesh, and her name is Allie. We became one flesh, and his name is Caleb. We became one flesh, and his name is Joshua. Your father and mother came together and became one flesh, and you are the result of it. You are the one flesh that comes from them. See, it means more than just being united with your spouse. It is the creation of a new flesh, a new one flesh. The beautiful example of our spiritual connection with God is that our adopted children are connected with our spirits and have become one flesh with our family, even though they're from a different country. This is what's so amazing, is that my wife and I came together and we became one flesh and through the Spirit, our adopted children are now one with us. 100%. What an amazing example of being born again. Do you realize that Jesus described his own birth in John 3, 5, when he talked about the new birth? We read this earlier, but I'm going to read just that verse. Again, he was talking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says we must be born of water, which is natural, and of the Spirit, which is from him from the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what happened in the womb of Mary, the mother of Jesus. There was a water and there was spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and the one flesh they created together is Jesus. Oh, wow. That is amazing. That gives me chills. That that is the most beautiful creation I can imagine. The Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary and one flesh being created in her womb. Now, this is where it gets really special. When I became born again, the Holy Spirit overshadowed my old flesh and the two of us created my new man.
when you became born again, the Holy Spirit overshadowed your old flesh. And the two of you, of water and the Spirit, the two of you created you who you are today. Your new man. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17. We know these verses, but listen to them. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In the, trans, the, the uh, original translation of it says, he is a new species of being. Okay? You are no longer just a man. You're not a sinner saved by grace. That is gone. The, the old man is gone. You are a new God-man, God-woman. You are a new creation from God himself taking your old spirit and creating something new that never was before. It is one flesh. When we think of Jesus describing being one with the Father, I don't think we've fully comprehended how that applies to us. You realize when Jesus was formed in the womb of Mary, it was exactly the same as when you were formed in your born-again experience. When you became born again, you became exactly as Jesus was at birth. This is why you have been given the righteousness of God in Christ. This is why there's nothing that you can do that can make you more righteous. This is what ties us into the family of God. I want you to put your own name in there. Put your own name in there. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Ben. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Jason. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary Beth. Okay, these are ones I know that are born again. The Holy Spirit overshadowed you specifically. It is a very tender moment in the heart of God. See, we talk about him as well, Father, okay, Father, we, we pray. Father, thank you, Father, 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 Father. Okay, we get used to calling God Father. But I want to say it this way. He is the God who fathered you. He fathered you. Mother's Day is not just about mothers. Mothers wouldn't be mothers without fathers. It takes the connection of the two. Okay? God is the one who fathered you. This is why Jesus is described as the firstborn among many brethren. See, God is your father and Jesus is your older brother. I think we, we tend to just lump everything together, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We lump it all together. We don't realize how in that lump we are tied in. So what was the big heresy that Jesus faced the most persecution 
from the religious leaders because he made himself equal with God. I could probably not say anything else and you stew on that for a while and if you're willing to hear it you will hear where you fit in. Do we want to say it? Do we want to believe it? Do we want to understand it? Do we really want to be? Are we? Are you? Equal with God. I don't see any tomatoes being thrown up here. All right. Why is it so hard for us to come to grips with this? Look in the book of John, the whole book, John 14, John 17. Jesus prays that we may be one, even as he and the Father are one. I and them, them and me. He, he says all of this. Like he just weaves it together. And then he comes back and weaves it again. And he weaves it again. And he weaves it again. You are inseparable from God. This is why he will never leave you or forsake you. He can't. He's in you. He is one with you. You are one flesh. Jesus showed this by example. And when he lived on the earth, he only did what he saw his father do. See, this is why it doesn't work when we go out and try to do something on our own. We, we say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips, and I'm going to go after it, and I'm going to do it myself. It won't work, because then you're just operating in the flesh. You have left the power of the Spirit. Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, unless you walk and operate, you're in the flesh, but operate in the power of the Spirit. It's your oneness with him that gives you that authority. It's not just that you kind of took on his name and, you know, Lamar had a message about being ambassadors for Christ. Being ambassadors of his makes a whole lot more difference when we realize we are one with him. We don't, it's not just, it's not just that we, we, we carry a badge or somehow we, we take on his name and we say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. A friend of mine texted me and, and just asked, and was asking the question about being in the presence of God. How, you know, about staying in the presence of God. And the answer that came to me was actually very simple. I, it, it just was, you never leave his presence. You don't have to try to be in his presence. You are in his presence. He is with you. He has promised to be with you whether you feel him or not. See, we need to get to the place where we understand this and we walk in it in confidence, in peace, in joy, in freedom. What do you say when, when you face a sickness if you know that the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you know that the very same oneness that Jesus was with the Father, you are also with the Father do you not stand in peace? Joy? I doubt any of us have had visions or thoughts of Jesus getting sick. Of Jesus being controlled 
He was attacked. The devil came after him, but he wasn't controlled. He was free at all times. He slept in the boat in the middle of a storm. See, we are in a time in, the, in, in history where the sons of God need to be revealed. And when I say sons, it means men and women. Okay? We need to be revealed. And how is that possible? How does it happen? It happens when we believe it, when we come to grips with it. When we quit denying and we quit saying, I'm just a worm and I'm just a nobody and I, I can't and I shouldn't and I won't. When we stand in freedom, we don't stand self-confident. We stand in our identity. It's only because I am one flesh with him. So when I see the mountain in front of me, and Jesus said, speak to the mountain, if I just hear the voice of Doran, if I just hear my voice, and I just say, okay, go away, my voice would sound very puny in the face of a mountain. My voice by itself does nothing. But when my faith is attached to my identity of who I am in him and I am surrounded by him, I'm not trying to create anything. I'm not trying to be something myself. I simply stand in who I am. And when I say, mountain move, it's the voice of God speaking through me. But it only happens when we believe it. It only happens when we allow our heart to truly receive that. See, you can block it all the time. You can block it all day long. You can block it the rest of your life. Most of us have lived our lives blocking ourselves from the very power that gives us freedom. Partially because we have felt unworthy We've made mistakes, we've messed up, we've done things wrong. And so we say, well, God wouldn't do things wrong. And so, and, and we start to receive the condemnation and we start to be pressed down, down, down. There was a time where I was uh, trying to understand and trying to deal with condemnation. If I would make a mistake, and it could be anything. I could get mad at somebody who pulled out in front of me and chase them down and pass them and go on the brakes, you know? None of you, Vince, you never did that either. <laughs> and then feel condemned if you're like, man, what a jerk. Like, why, what, what was I trying to prove? And feel condemned about it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you can never condemn yourself. And I was thinking, no, no, no. I, I know that I can, I, did you not just hear my thoughts? And he said, those were not your thoughts. Those were the thoughts handed to you by the enemy. And you received them. You took them, but you didn't generate them. And then he said this. You can never condemn yourself because I cannot condemn myself. <gasps> when he says things like that to you, and you realize that it's true, there is a freedom that, that cannot be described. And it, it is a freedom to rest in him. A freedom to rest in his goodness and his grace. Rest in who you are as one with him. 
Ask him to show you a new revelation of who you are and how you're connected with him. Spend time with him. Ask him to show you how you are one with him. If you're willing, he will show you. If you truly want to understand, and if you're facing a mountain in your life or a storm, the storm can seem so big, the mountain can seem so big, it can be relational, financial, it could be all sorts of things. It can be, when it is a mountain, it truly is a mountain. It's something that we face. But when you realize your oneness with him, when you realize that he is the one who empowers you, the mountain pales because we rise up above it. We understand who we are. We don't have to try to be something we're not. We simply acknowledge who we have been all along since being born again. I really do want to celebrate Mother's Day and all of the mothers in our lives. I want to honor them. And I want to honor what, what they've been to us, what they've done for us, and, and even what they represent in all of creation and how God has, has formed each one of us. But mothers mean birth. And you actually said something, Tanya, about birthing. Birthing things, okay? What's so special about mothers is that they're, they're, they're synonymous with birth. You wouldn't be a mother without birth. A birth is what makes you a mother. And it's new things. So there's, there's new things that God is birthing. God, our Father, is wanting us to celebrate new beings that he is being, that, that are being birthed. He wants to birth new things through us. So when you, when you meet up with a person and he says, ask them if they're born again. And you just go, well, that's a... And you feel like you don't want to just be in their face. You don't want to just give them a religious question. You don't... But how about an invitation to be made one with God? How about an invitation to be made new? To be made new. It is an invitation. It's not a, hey, have you been born again? It's the invitation of your life. It is an invitation to create new life, to give you freedom from the things you're dealing with, to give you freedom from the, the sickness you might have been dealing with or from whatever the issue is to give you freedom from the fear, to give you freedom from the oppression and the depression and the, the downtrodden feeling. Or it could be a person that is living what they would consider a good life. And they would say, I don't need it, I don't need it. Okay, but what happens when you say God made all the provision so that he could be made one with you, so that Maybe your life is okay, but are you able to help those around you? Are you able to go and give life to those around you? What gives us purpose and understanding is being able to reach into other people's lives and to sow into them and help birth new things in them. We are made that way because we're made in the image and likeness of God. He made us to want to birth new things, to want to create new things. When we see something down, we want to pick it up. When we see something broken, we want to fix it. We want to restore because we're made like him. 
This is what he did with our old life, our old man. This is why he sent Jesus, because we were unredeemable without that. There was no hope. There was full brokenness and separation with no hope. But with Jesus, he has made so that we can be made new. A new birth can happen. So yes, honor your mother. Tell her how much you love her. Not just today, every day. Remember how much she has poured into your life. And then meditate on the miracle of birth. Spend time digging into the mystery of being called born again. Paul says this is a great mystery. But I speak regarding Christ and the church, or Christ and the assembly. Spend time meditating with the Lord and ask him to show you. If you have not been born again, I want to make an invitation to you today. This is the greatest invitation. There is no pressure to be something. It is all about coming to him and surrendering to him, allowing him to create something new. The surrender is not a surrender of hands tied behind your back, you're kneeling. No, this is a surrender of freedom, a surrender of openness, allowing him to do what he's wanted to do all along and create something new, to give life where there was no life, to give freedom where there was no freedom, to give a voice when there was a mountain that needed spoken to and no power behind it. Or if you have been born again and you have felt like you have had no power, you have had no true voice, I'd like to invite you to come up here and be prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the same invitation. If you've been born again, you have been made new by the Spirit. This baptism of the Spirit does not, is not something that's poured over you. It's If I would have a cup here, or a bucket, with a hole in the, in the bottom and a pipe. You wouldn't be able to see the pipe, okay, whatever. I could do this as an example, but it would make a mess. There's a valve down here. This bucket is full of water. Okay? It's, it has been given the water. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we open the valve. Whew. And it, the baptism comes from the inside out. When I pray for some to re, someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not putting something on them. I'm drawing the Holy Spirit through them. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, are you willing to be surrendered to his goodness and when, what happens is the power then flows through you. Your revelation, your understanding, your authority, all of the things that we, we want to have, we want to learn how to have, the sense of his presence, reading the word and getting understanding deeply in our hearts, deep. It's not that you're not born again if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit but there's more. This is what it's all about. There's more for an invitation, an invitation to receive more of him. So if you responded yesterday or years ago to an invitation to be born again, 
the new life that was created in you will never end. That new life is who you are for all of eternity. Okay? How your flesh changes is not... We, we look no more on the flesh, like Paul said. We don't look at the flesh to determine who we are. Okay? But that invitation to receive more of him is a continual invitation every day. Every day. Come to him and receive more of him. You'll never exhaust the fountain. We talked about this this morning as well with one of the, one of the guys saying, we come here and we, we, we fill our cup. And the thought was, thanks for making so that we can fill our cup. But if you think of it, the fountain, or using something that we've seen, hopefully, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but using Niagara Falls as an example. Take a little coffee cup and you dip into the falls and your cup is full. I promise you the falls never felt it. <laughs> it's going to keep on flowing. The flow from the Holy Spirit, the flow of power, of love from the Lord, He's a fountain. You can never exhaust it. You can never get to the depth of it to where it's no longer flowing. Drink as deeply as you can and never stop. It may feel like a fire hose. Open up and surrender to him. He's good. He's good. If you lose a bit of your flesh control and you say, oh, I can't believe that, you know, maybe you fell over. The Holy Spirit came over you and you, and you fell over and you go, ah. is that not an example of your flesh no longer being in control of you, but of the Spirit? See, we've seen things, examples of this, where it has been only in the flesh, and we've sensed it. It's only in the flesh. That does not negate the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you open up to him, surrender to him. Give him the freedom to move in you, including your body, including your flesh. This is why when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is why we end up praying in tongues a lot of times. It's not all about that. And people get hung up on it. But man, it should be okay. It should be free. Because there is a, a heavenly language that comes from him. And when we surrender to him, when we honor him by allowing him the freedom, and we have to trust him, there is something that happens in our authority, in our power, in our, our, our freedom to walk in the middle of all sorts of circumstances. This... This is like, I want to give an example. Stand up once. Let's say, here is a leper. Unclean, unclean. When we walk in the freedom of our identity and who we are, we have no fear. We have no fear. We say, you need what's in here. Jesus is in here. Jesus 
is healing you. What's in us becomes a fountain pressing through for new life, for new restoration. And I've done this a lot, okay? And I'm not, I'm not, you can sit down. Thank you. You're a good leper. <laughs> I'm not saying that we always know the right thing in every situation. But when we walk in freedom, see people in the world are looking for free people. They're, they want to know that it's real and that it's true. So if we go trying to make a show, that's all we make is a show. But when we walk free, and in the course of life, a viper comes out of the fire and bites on and latches onto your hand, and you just shake it off, and you go about your business, and you don't make a show, and you don't make a big deal, you just, it doesn't hurt you. That makes all the difference in the world. Everyone watching says, how did that happen? We know what's supposed to happen here. So my encouragement to you is open up. Open up. Give yourself the freedom to open up to him. He's good. He wants to create new. He wants to give life. He's a fountain. The new birth is the beginning of all things new. Don't stop at the new birth. If you have not been born again, the invitation is open. Actually, JB, where's, where's he at? Do you want to come up and just uh, play? I'd like to... Um, if there's anyone who feels like the Lord is giving you a word for someone, uh, be free to give them that word, okay? The word that I've spoken today is a seed that has gone to you. It, it's been given to you. What you do with it is up to you. What you do with this invitation is up to you. There is no pressure. None. There's freedom. There's freedom. So this word, this encouragement, this offering, this offering is from the Lord. He's offering to you. If you have not been born again, don't turn down the invitation. Don't turn down the offering. He wants to make new life with you, in you. He wants to create a new you. He wants to do something with you that you've never been able to do before. And if you, if you are wanting more of him, more of his power, more of his spirit, I'd like to invite you to pray something that I pray. And it's a very, very, very simple prayer. I go before the Lord and when I'm, when I'm all by myself and I prayed this this morning I go before the Lord and I open my heart to him I picture this I open my heart to him and I say Holy Spirit possess me see we 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 have this understanding of the Holy Spirit just sort of, he's just going to do something. He wants to fill you. He wants to fill you, possess you. And if you're not open to saying that, it's because you somehow don't trust him.
you somehow are afraid of him, I promise you he's good. He is good. He can only ever do good. So I don't know if you have a song or whatever we can sing, but um, I'd like to just give some time. If you want to pray, if there's someone that you want to pray with specifically, go get them. And you don't have to come up here. Go off to the side. But just spend some time. If it's between you and the Lord, then do that. Open your heart to Him. Allow Him. Give Him the freedom. Ask for Him. The invitation is open.